chapter 4. We've been doing a series about Jesus coming in the flesh. We've been talking a lot about this idea that God loved us so, so much that he was willing to lay down his life for us, but even more so, become human for us so that we could understand him. And what better way for humans to understand what God is like than becoming a human himself, amen? That was a, probably a pretty good idea, amen? And so, one of the scriptures that we're going to look at this morning, you know, I would even go as far as to say that when you want to learn how to be like Jesus, one of the best places to look is how Jesus actually was in scripture. Jesus didn't just talk, prophets didn't just talk about what God was like, but Jesus coming to earth gave us a real example of what he's about and what he actually did. And in fact, you could read the Bible and you go, well, Jesus sat with tax collectors, then I need to do that as well. It's as simple as that. Jesus loved this kind of person, then I need to love them as well. We follow by example. And we look at one of those examples right here in the Bible. And it comes right after Jesus has talked to a Samaritan woman and led her to salvation. She had been saved. And Jesus is now talking to his disciples again, his 12. And this is what he says. I want you guys, if you're in John chapter 4, to look at verse 31. And this is what it says. It says, Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. They're talking to Jesus. Jesus, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, says Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. And even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Can we say amen to God's word? When you look at Jesus and you look at the different things that he did, one of the most important things in Scripture comes at a point when not just Jesus is doing something, but Jesus is explaining why he did it. You know what I mean? That if Jesus is explaining why and how he goes about loving people, because we know that he loves, but when he takes a moment and says, this is why and this is how I love people, it's important to look at in Scripture. It's pretty important coming from the Son of God, amen? Very important to look at those scriptures. And we get one right here where his disciples are asking him, you need to eat something, Rabbi. It's been a long day. And Jesus says, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And they're thinking that he's talking about physical bread. They're thinking he's talking about physical food to eat. They're like, did he eat something? Did he slip something in? And that's when Jesus says those powerful words that my will or my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. You know, Jesus was a very motivated individual. There's no mistaking that. Jesus was not someone who was careless in any way, amen? That he was someone who was very, very much present in the world around him. Jesus was very much intentional about loving the people around us. To say that Jesus wasn't passionate, to say that Jesus didn't care about certain people is a lie. Jesus was very, very passionate, and he cared a lot about people, and I think when you look at a scripture like this, you know that God has faith in us, that God loves us. 
There's no mistaking that. Jesus loves us, but it didn't just stop right there. Jesus didn't sit in heaven and say, man, I just love those human beings. I hope they don't go to hell. You know? Like, he didn't just sit back and he's like, man, it's a real shame when they fall away from me. Man, I just love them so much. It breaks my heart. No, Jesus loved us so much that a cause rose up in him to say, I'm going to go on a mission to earth. I'm going to live a sinless life, sacrifice myself, and pay the price of the sins that they couldn't pay for themselves. That's how much I love them. I'm not going to just stop at saying I have affection for them, but I'm going to have a cause behind what I believe in. I'm going to have a cause, and I'm going to be fueled by that faith. Jesus himself had a cause that accompanied his very beliefs about us. And in the same way, in your own faith in Jesus, you have a cause that builds yourself up too. My question to you this morning is, what is your cause? What is the cause that fuels your own faith? Because being present in the world means standing for the cause of the kingdom in the very world that we live in. Jesus didn't exist in a bubble outside the rest of the world He was very much present and involved in it. You know, Jesus addressed things like racism. You know, Jesus addressed things like gender discrimination, gender inequality. You know, a lot of scholars call Jesus the first ever feminist. Ladies, amen. That's a powerful thing in a day and age when religious leaders are saying, don't even look at women. They're not worth the same as men. Jesus goes, you're wrong. I created them equal. Same with racism, when groups would be fighting over one another in differences. Jesus himself would go and say, everyone is created equal in my kingdom. Amen? Jesus stood against corruption. Jesus stood for those who were poor. He stood for those who were the rejects of society because that is kingdom living. Jesus wasn't in a bubble off to the side, but he was very much present in the world around him. And in the same way Jesus was present in the world around him, you get to be present in the world in the same way. It's not just standing for what's right, but you also get to be the avenue for healing and point the way to Jesus. You don't just exploit the issues of the world around us, but you get to stand for what is right. Amen? That's a powerful thing. Jesus would call you a witness. Say witness with me. I want you to think about that word. In fact... There's a verse in Acts 1-8 that talks about that. Jesus is with his disciples, and he's talking about being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he says, you want to go ahead and put it up? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And he says, and you will live comfortably without worry from the rest of the world or its problems. There's something wrong with that verse. Is that the actual verse? Yes, no, maybe so. It's not the real verse. That's the Jeff International Version. Don't worry. All right? But I want you to think about something for a minute. How many of you, or how many of you have ever seen people believe in that? I'm going to receive the Holy Spirit on my life, and then I'm going to live comfortably. I'm not going to have any worries. I'm going to be separate from the world around me and all its issues and things. And then when that doesn't happen, we think something is wrong with us or something's wrong with our faith. You want to know what it really says? Go ahead and put up the... But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. Say witnesses. In Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When you receive the Holy Spirit as a believer, 
It empowers you to witness who Christ is to the ends of the earth in every nook and cranny. You know, I think that's a powerful thing to take into consideration because it's not just saying when it says witness and it says be involved in the earth, what it's not saying is you blast people who are different from you on social media. Amen? There's plenty of that going around. Amen? All the way from, all the way in schools and friends, all the way up through systems and governments and whatnot. And you know, like, have you ever seen someone post something like, I can't believe these people are doing this, but in the midst of their post, in the midst of their hate, they're doing the exact same thing. They're adding hate upon hate, hoping it'll change something. But in reality, it only adds to the problem. That's not what we do as Christians. Believe me, we are honest as Christians about the things, and we stand as a witness if something is wrong in front of us. But as a believer, as a Christ follower, you get to stand and say, but this is the way to healing in Christ. We as Christians believe that the answer to racism is in Jesus. Amen? Can I get an amen to that? We believe that the answer to discrimination, we believe that the answer to hate, to bondage, to strongholds, to addiction, it isn't in this world, it's in Jesus. You know, there's what people would describe it as this, those who don't believe in Jesus, a lot of people in our society and American culture believe in something called a natural theology. And what that means is this, if you don't believe in a God and you believe everything came naturally, it just happened then it means all the issues that are around us, all the hate, murder, crime, those are all natural problems. Which means if they're natural problems, they have natural solutions. So then a society begins to work and tries to create a culture that extinguishes those things. Did you know that right now, right now where we're at in human history, there is the least war that it's ever been? Did you know that right now we are the most advanced medicine-wise we've ever been, the most advanced technologically, the least poor by the kind of allocation of resources, the most educated we've ever been. So let me ask you something. Why are the same issues still arising? You know, a world works hard to try and create this perfect society, and then I just even say something like Las Vegas happens, and then it's like, what, what happened? Where did this come from? And it's because of this. There aren't natural solutions to a spiritual evil around us. There's sin in the world, but there is an evil in the world that rears its head. No matter how advanced we get as a humanity, there's still things like hate and racism and the very things that were in Jesus' day. And you want to know why? It's because the solution to it isn't found in the natural. It isn't just making things right here. It's about pursuing a God who's bigger than all of those things. Amen? Jesus is the answer to those things. In Proverbs 14, 25, what it would even say is that a truthful witness saves lives. When you stand and you witness and say, this is the way, the truth, and the life in Jesus, you will save lives. Believe that. Can I get a loud amen to that? That is the truth. You save lives. And maybe you're in and you're like, well, I'm not involved in those issues, and I'm not contributing to those issues, so I don't necessarily need to do anything about that. But let me tell you something. There's only one worse thing than evil caused, and that's evil allowed. Evil allowed. Because we live in this world, and you, we may not have caused the problems of this world, but in Jesus, we are empowered 
to be a part of the solution. In 1 John 3, it would say that if you see someone in need and you have the means to help them and you say, I wish you well, but you don't, it says, how could the love of God be in them? It says, don't love them with mere words, but with action and in truth. That's verse 16 and 17 in John 3, 1 John 3. You know what I mean? We don't necessarily cause the evil, but we are present in the world. We don't judge the world necessarily, but we sure are involved in it, and we're sure a part of the solution. Amen? There was a man, uh, many of you guys know who he is, Martin Luther King Jr. He was someone growing up, um, a lot of you guys know his story when it came to civil rights and standing for equality against racism. But growing up, he was actually grown up in a Christian culture, um, when he came to college, he turned away from the Lord, and he came back to the Lord. He was someone who was called a prodigal, and that's a reference to someone who turns away from the Lord and comes back like the famous story in the Bible. And he actually felt a calling to ministry, and so he was a pastor for a while, and he was pastoring people. And then some of his mentors came to him in light of some of the discrimination, in light of some of the hate that was happening in the day and age in America, and I said, you know what, in Christ... Christ stands for equality. You get to stand for that, and you get to stand in Jesus. That's why Martin Luther King was someone who relied on love. That's why he would say things like, darkness can't drive out darkness. Only light can do that. That's a reference to Jesus. That's why he stood for love. Martin Luther King took that approach for the sake of Christ, not just for himself. And it's powerful to look at that. That was his cause that fueled his faith at work. And there's an interesting quote that, he said that I think resonates when it comes to us as a church, not just a building, all right, but us as a family and what we stand for and what we're about. And he says that the church must be reminded that it's not the master or the servant of the nation, but rather it's the conscience of the nation. It must be the guide and the critic of the nation and never its tool. If the church does not recapture its prophetic zeal, it will become an irrelevant social club without moral or spiritual authority. What he's saying is that church might not necessarily need to be in charge of a society in order for it to work. It just needs to bear witness. It just needs to be the conscience of a society. And what it says is that when it loses that, this is what Martin Luther King said years ago. He said, you become an irrelevant social club. That's what we become when we don't stand and witness and are involved in the world. I don't want to be that. I know you don't want to be that as well. Your faith is so much more than just standing off to the side and not being a part of the world that's around us. God knows that and God calls that in us. We're involved in it and we're passionate about it because we love it. Can you say love with me? We love the world around us. And Jesus has a love for the world that motivated him to step out of heaven and die for it. And that same love lives within each and every one of you and motivates you to do equally, if not greater, things to do in your own life. Believe that over your life, that you have a love and you have a power and you have a cause that's a part of you that's going to motivate you to do great things in this life and change the world around you. Amen? My food is what Jesus says. Isn't that funny that Jesus would refer to his cause as food? How many of you love food in the room? How many of you have a habit of eating food on a regular basis? Oh, by the way, you will die if you do not eat food. Amen? 
Food is kind of important. But I want you to think about this for a minute. Jesus would refer to his cause as food for his faith, which means this. The minute you stop eating food, the minute that you get malnourished, you become weak and you die. But if you eat properly, you become strong. You become fit for the task at hand. When you are living in your cause and you are fueled by a cause when it comes to your faith, your faith will grow and it will be strong. But if you have a faith that isn't being fueled by a cause, it will die. It will be malnourished. It won't make sense. Let me ask you a question. I am a recently married man to Carissa. Hello, praise Jesus. All right. Love you, baby. Now, what if someone asks me, and they're like, yo, man, like, why did you marry Carissa? And I was like, I don't know. My parents made me. You know, like, or imagine if it was like, Hey, honey, let's, let's go on a date sometime. And I'm like, oh, we're married. We don't date anymore. Or like, honey, gosh, would you make me some food for once in a while? Do you think that is going to be a healthy marriage in the long run? No, that will not work. But then how funny would it be if our marriage started to go south because I'm being selfish and I'm all about me. And I'm like, you know, marriage just doesn't work. It's not so much that, like, marriage doesn't work. It's just that I don't work, all right? You know what I mean? It's my fault. It's not marriage's fault. But let me ask you something about faith. Why do you believe in Jesus? I don't know. My parents just take me here. I don't know. It's just comfortable. I don't know. I want to go to church just to feel good about myself. Which, can I just say something about that? Don't go to church to feel good about yourself. Go to Jesus to be forgiven and learn who you really are. Amen? When you live without a passion, when you live without a cause for your faith, it will die in the same way. And that could be a place where you go, well, I don't think God's real because I'm not really feeling him. It's not working for me. But you know what? You're not working for God. That's the truth of it. You were made to have a cause behind your faith, to fight for something, whatever that looks like. doesn't look the same for each person, but God has a purpose for each and every one of us. And that fuels and that grows our faith into something mature. And powerful. Faith without a passion to serve or love others will not last. Your cause defines the entire growth and trajectory of your faith in your life. I'm going to invite Cassandra up here to lead us in a response this morning. But the last thing I just want to say is this. God wants to give you a cause right now. Everybody say right now. God wants to give you a cause right now, not later. Jesus in verse 35, he says, you guys have this saying in your culture. He says, You wait four months until the harvest. And that's not just saying you just, you wait four months until you get your food. What it's saying is this. You guys have a saying that you wait for things to change. You wait for the big things to happen. And what Jesus says, he says, look around. Harvest is ready. You know, God wants to give you a cause and a passion right now for your faith. You know, he wants to make you responsible for his kingdom right now. You know that? Believe that. Can I get an amen? He wants to. He's ready right now to give that to you. I'm going to hand it over to Cassandra. Can we give it up for her? Okay, guys. So just after hearing um, Jeff speak, I just think it's so um, important. God's really been speaking to me lately about having a cause and being passionate for what we're doing and who we are. And we're not just called to be like, 
oh yeah, I love everyone, and um, with everything going on, like, I'm not the one who's throwing out the hate, I'm not the one who's um, doing the bad things, so like, I'm, I'm in the clear, but God doesn't call us to just sit back and say these things, he calls us to go into action, and so that has to come when we have a cause, then it leads us into action, and I think even just the smallest things that we can, that I've been called out for doing, and just um, called up, I guess is better, but um, just the smallest things that we can do are like standing up for those who can't defend themselves, or feel like they don't have a voice, or feel like they um, can't be the ones to speak out for what they believe in. We can do that for people. That's what we're called to do. We're not just called to be radical. We're called to be radical for Jesus. We're called to um, stand up for him, and so even little things just like not gossiping about the people around you. Those are God's kids. Like, would he want you to be talking about them like that? Probably not. But we get caught up in it. It's, oh, it's information we need to know. No, we we don't need to know it. And we need to, instead, we can turn those conversations around into loving on people and not calling people out like that. So um, I'm going to ask you guys to get into groups of um, just three or four people and just um, talk about what is your cause? What are you passionate about? What do you want to um, just be able to go out and be active on and not just stand back and say you're passionate about or say that you love people? Um, what do you really want to go after? And then um, talk about practical ways we can do this. Gossip is just one of the things we can stop to um, start to love people. But there's other things you can do to stand up for those of people in your class, maybe family members, um, there's practical things you can do. So just talk about that and then um, finish it off by praying for each other, empowering each other. Um, you guys have amazing community here that other people might not have. So utilize it. Pray for each other. P pray for those around you who can't speak up. And um, yeah, so go ahead and get in groups of three or four.